Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is Make It Plain. M.I.P. With Masamela Matsumo. Mark Thompson. Make It Plain. Get woke. Once again, it's time for the founder of the largest online progressive community, Daily Coast, the founder of the largest and most accurate <laughs> polling firm, Civics with a Q. <laughs> And the founder of the most listened to podcast uh, in the world. Yes, uh, every week, one out of three, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> maybe the most accurate pollster. Maybe, maybe. But All definitely right. one out of three. One out of three really confidently but, can state that. But I must say, in terms of make it plain, um, um, Thursday Coast is still, and this was, it, it was probably true when we were on radio as well. Thursday Coast is the most downloaded Make It Plain podcast every week. Ooh, that sounds cool. And we're daily, so we keep up. You, you all would also be surprised how many Thursday Coasts and other episodes for that matter are down. Like, Somebody might go on a day and download a Thursday Coast from last year, mm. even though we do it every week and it's it's current. I mean, we're in real time. It's not our our segments aren't timeless, so to speak. But people still mm. go and download old segments because they want to hear they want to hear your voice. I guess they want to hear Marcos. I guess it's soothing. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> You're the man. You know. <laughs> no, welcome cool here. Yeah, but but welcome, buddy. Um, as always. So let's start this way. Do we owe you and I? Oh, Joe Biden and apology. Uh, have we been <laughs> were, were we too hard on him? I, no, no, I I don't think we owe him an apology. It's not like okay. he said, I'm going to be a progressive president. Trust me. And we said, no, you're not. We don't trust you. Right. <laughs> he literally said, I'm going to get Republicans to vote for my stuff and I'm going to go back to the Obama years. 
which were better than the Trump years, right? But the inequalities, inequities in the system, whether it's the justice system, the economic system, they were there during the Obama years. So the transformative change that we, a lot of us, were really fighting for, that was being communicated by Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, and a couple of other people, right? Joe Biden was very um, studiously and uh, uh, purposefully positioned himself to the right of those two, to the yeah. right of anybody asking for systemic change. And so, I, I mean, we can't all, in a, he didn't even wink, wink at us. <laughs> he yeah. didn't yeah. even, there was no dog whistles. He was flat out, nah, I'm not, I'm not following a, a, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's Green New Deal plan. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. I got my own thing. So I don't think it's a question of being of, of owing him an apology. I think it's a question of really uh, giving him credit for adapting to the situation, right? Because there was a difference between the Biden that ran in the primary because there was no coronavirus pandemic. Yeah. There was no economic uh, collapse. Because if you, just to put it all in context, Iowa was, uh, Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina were the end of January into mid-February. California was the first state to start shutting down here in the Bay Area. That wasn't until March 15th. So we were already well into the primary race when the pandemic hit. And of course, the shutdown at the time, we were talking about 15 cases, right? That's the famous Donald Trump. We only have 15 cases today. It'll be zero in a week. And so he evolved his message when the pandemic really hit hard, right? So by summer, we saw that we were hitting, we had the first wave, we had the mass layoffs, we had the economic shutdowns. And instead of sticking with what had worked for him in the primary, he actually realized there's his opportunity, not even opportunity, there's a necessity to respond to this, to this new reality that we face. And he adopted his message towards systemic change, which, which <laughs> this may be the first time that I remember where a candidate tacked to the left after the election, after the primary, or, you know, from same, either party. Mm -hmm. You know, you had a uh, Trump who didn't tack anywhere, right? He was just a mess over there, wherever Trump was. There was no going to the center in the, in the general election, right? But usually the, the standard uh, for any campaign is you appeal to your partisans in the primary. So you're either, you know, extra liberal or extra conservative. And then when a general election comes along, you want to moderate your message to try to scoop up as many people and to create a winning coalition. That's normal. Biden did it opposite. He was a centrist in the primary and then tacked left in the general election. And then, just as importantly, he's governed that way. He's delivering on the stuff that he promised, but he wasn't promising that in the primary. He was promising that in the general election. So I'm not, I don't think we need to owe him an apology. I think we need to go like, dude deserves a lot of credit for adapting to the realities because the world changed in 2020 because of the pandemic. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, uh, I it just uh, and as your one of your latest headlines says, uh, he has surprised um, a lot of people and it's a welcome surprise. But but here's some things he said on Wednesday, uh, just yesterday. He said, quote, I think it's 35 or 30 corporations didn't pay a single solitary penny last year and their Fortune 500 companies. 
They made four hundred billion dollars. They paid no taxes. How can that make any sense? He said, I can affect the standard of living of people I grew up with. Marcos, that to me even makes it difficult for the Trumpers to get angry because, you know, no matter where they're coming from, this guy's talking about them. The, 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 the blue collar, the Scranton type people, you know, those who are either Republican or who claim to be that thing. They call themselves independent. I know how you and I feel the same way about that moniker. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's that it, it was a compelling statement to say I can affect the standard of living of the people I grew up with. And I know we have a tendency, many of us, and especially those of us in the black community still have our guard up and that's rational. We should. But uh, this dude is really doing some things that I just did not expect. And, you know, hopefully he'll see it through. But now maybe we need to change the name of this segment, make it even more popular um, from Thursday Coast to another segment name. And everybody would download this one. I know this segment would be entitled, uh, as you said before, Joe Manchin is an asshole. Maybe that's <laughs> the name of our weekly segment. But on the other stream, another dude who grew up like him in a state where a whole lot of people grew up like Joe Biden is literally one person trying to block everything that would help everybody. Yeah. Um, Joe Biden is both simultaneously a curse and a blessing. That's that's the contradiction of Joe Manchin, right? Because we wouldn't have a $1.9 trillion COVID uh, rescue plan without Joe Manchin. We wouldn't be talking about any of this legislation that's currently being you know, negotiated, the infrastructure bill and the family bill. None of that would be uh, discussed, be in contemplation if Joe Manchin wasn't in the Senate. Remember, we have a 50-50 Senate and... West Virginia is a state that Donald Trump won by like 40 points. So we have no business having a senator in West Virginia. And boy, God, sometimes he's just awful. But on the other hand, he is uh, he's allowing some things to go through. Right. So for the for the infrastructure plan, Biden's proposal had a had a corporate tax rate of 29 percent and. Manchin's like, uh, 25%. You know what? Make it 25. Who gives a crap? Nobody cares what if it's 29 or 25% because they don't care what the deficit is, right? That's what it's all going to come down to in the end. That just means that there's going to be a larger deficit because there's less government or tax, corporate tax revenues to pay for it. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. There's not a single voter that's going to be like, I love what I got. I love my new bridge and I love senior care for my parents. And I love all this good stuff, but the corporate tax rates at 29, you know, 25%. And I really wanted it at 29, or I really wanted it to stay the same down at whatever Trump left it at. I forgot 20% or something. So I don't, in the end, if he allows this infrastructure bill to go through, but the corporate tax rate is 25%, who cares? We got it through. And what's amazing to me is that Biden has the pieces in place to be a transformational FDR type president, even though he has these narrow majorities in both the house 
and the Senate, and particularly the Senate, given that it's not even a Democratic majority in any real sense, right? Because Joe Manchin is being a pain in the butt. But here's the, here's the thing. All this legislation, the $1.9 trillion rescue plan, the, the infrastructure bill, the family bill, because uh, both of those are $4 trillion, $4 trillion for the next two pieces of legislation. None of it would have had a chance if we had President Warren or President Harris or pretty much almost anybody else that's not the old white straight guy, right? Because Manchin would have loved, he would have loved to have opposed the Warren or the Harris agenda, even if it looked exactly like what we're seeing out of Biden. But Biden's the old good old boy, calls him up, there's Uncle Joe. They, they connect and Manchin talks, 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 25%. They're like, okay, whatever, 25% and it happens. None of that would be happening with almost anybody else who's president, right? And it, that's both. I think it's an indictment of Mansion. This is not a. Like, this is not a, a good thing. We saw how he got all prickly when Harris went and talked to some editorial board at newspapers in his state, because uh, you know you can't have the black woman coming into his turf and and lobbying him. He was he was furious. So it sucks that we needed the old white guy to win the election. It sucks that we needed the old white guy to actually have a true progressive agenda. But you know what? Both things happened. And whatever it says about the state of race and gender politics in this country, at least good things are happening. So I'm trying, you know, like it's, it's, there's a good and there's a bad. And we, I don't think we ignore that bad component, just like we don't ignore Joe Manchin being an a-hole about D.C. statehood. He was an a-hole about voting rights. I don't know why he thinks he needs to be the person to stop that. So I don't get those things. On the other hand, things are happening that wouldn't happen without him. So what needs to happen is we need to hold Congress. We need to win a bigger Senate majority to make Joe Manchin irrelevant. Allow him to vote against everything and nobody cares. You know, if we could pick up four or five seats, which is possible. Not probable, possible then we have a cushion, we get rid of the filibuster, and then we have an even more uh, ambitious second term, not on the spending stuff, because I think the spending stuff is happening, but on things like justice reform and election reform and uh, D.C. statehood and, and those pieces that, uh, that Manchin has inexplicably decided to obstruct. I hear you. That's a good point. More MIP after this message. Note... The minister, me, said Joe Manchin's an asshole. And the non-clergy person, Marco, said he's a pain in the butt. So, Oh, I thought, I, I can think. I can use those words. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was in the Army. I learned. I learned to speak course, like right? a sailor. So uh, this is me trying, and I have to stop myself. My brain says, he's an asshole. And it's like, no, don't say that. <laughs> the, but the person who actually coined the term asshat for Mitt Romney, man. <laughs> <laughs> Mark was that, that it was viral. That was Mitt Romney's middle name was Asshat all during 2012. So, so. and now Mitt Romney defines like all one of three reasonable Republicans left. Facebook and Donald Trump. Interesting. Um, you know, it's, it's like they still kind of split the baby. Yeah, he needs to remain banned, but you have to justify why you banned him. I think I think that was kind of interesting, but at least he remains banned for the time being. I don't know if that'll be permanent. I mean, yeah, there's some kicking the you know kicking the the can down the road sort of situation going on. Um, 
I hope it really just means write out a freaking case for it, right? Like, as so, I mean, it's easy. We know why he was banned. It was a good decision, and just, I mean, just justify it. You can even point to his his social media outlet, which is just a stupid blog, and just see that he's continuing the same stuff, right? The same agitating falsehoods, lies. Etc. 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 Right. So the case can be made. I'm really hoping that this doesn't mean that this this board is gonna reinstate him in six months and just basically says have a paper trail, and then that way you can consistently apply it. Because once you do, then there are a lot of other world leaders that really shouldn't be on those platforms. I mean, the Chinese Communist Party and and Bolsonaro in Brazil. I mean, you, you can go down the list. Erdogan in Turkey, people who are trafficking in, in falsehoods and agitating. Even Modi in, in India, right? You know, his, his Hindu nationalism and, and agitating against India's Muslim community. There's a lot of places that if you apply these these rules consistently, it's gonna it's gonna exclude a lot of people that are still on the platform. And and so I know, I mean, for sure that that Facebook has got to be terrified of that, right? They don't want to be banned in India. They don't want to be banned in Maybe they're already banned in, in China, but they don't want to be banned in India and places like that. So it puts them in a in a in a difficult place. But I actually think consistency matters. And if there are political leaders that are advocating for violence, I think there should be consequences. Yeah, yeah, good. Um, Liz Cheney, and what what do you think about that whole deal? Um, and is that just something for us to be spectators about, or? Does what they're doing toward her? Not that I have a lot of love for Liz Cheney. I mean, she is yeah. the daughter of Darth of the self-admitted, self-styled Darth Vader, um, yeah. in, incarnate. But can can we use that? Does that help us in terms of what we need to do, or mobilize, or inform, or flip in any way? I mean, it's this is her internal civil war, and it just means that the Trump wing is going to win fairly easily at this point. I still don't understand how a first-term loser has retained control of, of his party. I mean, only three presidents have lost re-election in the last hundred years. So this is this is not uh, this is an extra level of loserdom. And none of those other presidents lost the popular vote both times, right? So he is like literally our nation's biggest loser ever. And the fact that the Republicans have latched on to that and that have made denying Biden's legitimate victory a price of admission into the Republican Party just boggles the mind. I mean, I just it doesn't make sense from a practical standpoint, from a mathematical electoral standpoint. Just it does not make sense. But that's what they've done. And so I don't think the Cheney decision directly leads to anything that we can do about it. But it just sort of shows that what the Republicans have become is 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 a uh, it's a dangerous party because they will have power because of, you know, the Dakotas having four Senate seats and, you know, the same as California and New York with a million times the population. But it does hopefully give us some opportunities. Like the best one so far, just as a such a good example, is Georgia. Raphael Warnock, new Democrat, won a special election, which means he stands for regular election in next year. So there's a whole, I mean, Georgia still has a lot of really high profile Republicans that could challenging challenge 
Warnock, but Donald Trump has decided that he needs a black person to run against a black person. And it, he's not looking like who in Georgia would be a black Republican that could then run against Warnock. No, no, no. He's like Herschel Walker. I know him because he played football. He said nice things about me over there on Fox News. I want him to run. The twist is that Herschel Walker lives in Texas. <laughs> he has no ties to Georgia. <laughs> so they are literally going to import a former football player. That's his entire resume to Georgia to run against Raphael Warnock. We could not hope for a better scenario. And even funnier is that Republicans in Georgia are paralyzed because they don't want to go against Trump, right? So they're like, okay, if Herschel Walker runs, then we we can't run in a primary against them. And it would be the biggest gift in the world for us to have Warnock run against <laughs> Herschel Walker. <laughs> and that's not the only case, right? You're going to see this happen in a lot of these states. And the Senate battleground next year is being run in the exact same states that we decided the 2020 presidential election, Arizona, Georgia, Florida, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, North Carolina. Those are all seats with Senate races, and they're all going to be one, two, three-point differences. And if we can get a bunch of crackpots running against our people in some of these states, we have a better chance of winning. Now, the flip side is that there's a better chance that we get more crackpots in the Senate. And the last thing this nation needs is more Trumpy crackpots in positions of power. But there's nothing we can do about it. That Republicans are going to make their own decisions. They're going to pick their own candidates. And they've decided to follow Trump. And that's going to have its consequences. But I think it does give the opportunities like giving Warnock an easier reelection campaign that might otherwise be the case. Please let it be Herschel Walker. Please. <laughs> it's just so monumentally stupid. And it really speaks to Trump's thinking, right? Oh, well, a black guy won, so we need another black guy. But we need a black guy who said nice things about me. And and Herschel, the last time we saw Herschel, we had a, uh, a, a, a hearing, one of the hearings on H.R. 40 on reparations. And Herschel obviously is against it. But then the argument he made, Marcos, in making his argument, he the argument he used was really one confirming why we need it. And he almost talked himself out of it. Um, so I'm going to do this for the benefit of the audience. And I'm sure you haven't heard this either. This is Herschel Walker testifying, going on the record with his opposition against um reparations everyone just take a listen to this and this is who donald trump wants to run so we hope he does because he might convince all of us to vote for Raphael warnock and everybody to vote for Raphael warnock the way he convinced himself in being against reparations and reparations are really necessary take a listen Rep reparation or atonement is outside the teaching of jesus christ who you are teaching who will not be teaching the word of god and i remember my mom mentioning how could we pay for your great-great-grandfather being burned to death? Or how could you pay for your great-great-uncle being hung? And I understand that those pictures are horrible, but right now I think the fights found 
it's going to be very difficult to to go back over history when history is not even taught in school on what we're trying to fight is fine. And that's what I think is so difficult because as I was looking up um, reparation, which I've been doing for the last year, it, it is very, very difficult to find facts on different things of uh, the African-American history. And I think that's what's going to be very difficult in what we're doing right now. You know, I, I'm from the deep south. I know about racism. And uh, a matter of fact, uh, you know, we talked about the health. You know, everyone think I'm healthy, but I was diagnosed at one time as mentally unhealthy <laughs> because of being bullied as a little kid, because of my weight, because of my speech. But uh, the things that happened to me was dealing with race. And I overcame through education which is one of the major things that I talk to the young people today is education is more important than anything in life. Because when you educate yourself, you're able to see the truth for yourself. And I'm not saying that I think HR 40 is absolutely incredible, but I think it's just say it's a facts founding is, uh, is very difficult. And in uh, you know, uh, facts founding a reparation I think this is a little bit. Uh, I'm I'm confused at the at the two right now. More MIP after this message. He's confused. Now you just heard Hershel Walker say that he had two relatives who were lynched, and that he himself was a victim of racism growing up in the South. So he made the argument <laughs> for, for reparations without realizing it. And so, yeah, let him run so he can say, you know, I'm against Raphael Warnock, but there's racism in the South. Anyway, yeah, say it, do it, run, please. And my that ancestors was, lynched like everybody else's. Yeah. First of all, I'm impressed that you had those clips ready to go, Mark, because I don't think we had, we were, we didn't plan to talk about Ursula <laughs> no, Walker. So you had him right there, ready to go. That was, that was very, very pro move. Um, <laughs> but second uh, of all, he actually thought I actually thought he made a great case for better teaching <laughs> the history of the black experience in America, which is literally what Republicans are freaking out about, freaking out about now, right? Critical race theory and, and they're hyperventilating uh, about this. And you're seeing this Nikki Haley just did the same thing, right? Like talked about there's no racism. We don't need to teach it. But I was but then you read her book and it has all these passages about how she was discriminated against when she was growing up. Right. So. It's almost like their argument is if we teach racism, people will think America is a racist country, which <laughs> you're almost there. You almost got it. You're so close. You're so close. Yes, teach it. So, but the other piece is part of a reparation bill. I mean, and there's no reparation bill. So, I mean, I, I don't think we can really point to it, but I think a big chunk of that would be bolstering educational opportunities for marginalized communities, correct? HBCUs and schools in in uh, majority black districts that are chronically underfunded compared to their white um, peer schools out in the suburbs and in other wealthier areas. I mean, it's that's the kind of work I assume would be part of any sort of comprehensive reparations bill. And so he was almost making the argument. Yeah. His argument yeah. wasn't don't do this. His argument 
and he didn't realize this. His argument was like, let's let's teach this better. Let's put some money into into this experience. Um, so that that was that was it was so, confused so- because I think he really like he he's almost there. He just has to ideologically he's blocked because oh he's a Republican and Trump likes right. him and so therefore right. and he's in Trump right right and and he said I mean the man admitted I can't name two relatives in mine who were lynched he can I mean that's what yeah. the reparations argument is for that's who it's for really uh, people like his family because he asked how we what are we going to do about my uh, my two uncles that were lynched Get, pass HR four that's what we're going to do. <laughs> but, 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 but that's what. <laughs> that's but HR40 is just discussing how, right? It would even but, function. Right, There's right, no it actual. Would, it would establish a commission. No, to you can argue over what like. The, what the proposals are. What, in other yeah. words, what forms. So, like you're saying, the commission would debate and come to the conclusion we need better education. We need, you know, s- systematic. Yeah, and twice the. All, yeah, all of that. Whatever. And, and then it, you can argue about the individual pieces, presumably, because you can right, say, right, well, right, that's right. not really in, uh, that. Um, and you try to come and, to some consensus. Right, right. And, and, and you know, what do we do about it and, and how it continues to manifest itself today in police lynchings and voter suppression? Yeah. And, and they may come to the conclusion as well, you know, when there are individual family members who can show a direct ancestral line or can show evidence of lynching, then you deal with that too. But so he made the argument. So, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Let him run because maybe he'll help. But speaking of, of um, of uh, men like Herschel Walker, there's also Uncle Tim, and a lot of people talking about him and his response to Biden. He was supposed to be the one to shepherd the George Floyd justice and policing legislation in the Senate, and he's been touting himself as one who can get Mitch McConnell to to stop blocking it. Joe Biden said from the well of the House he wants that bill passed on the anniversary of George Floyd's death. Uh, but when Tim Scott had the opportunity to speak to the nation about it, he said very little. And it looks like he's going along with McConnell. The Republicans want to do away or, or they don't want to do away. I should do away with um, qualified uh, immunity, which is really the sticking point, Marcos, because if you allow qualified immunity to exist, you there's no discouragement for officers. If you get rid of qualified immunity, then officers will probably be more likely to remember what side their taser is on versus their gun, because then they will be. Uh, yeah, take a second and double double check. It's financially right. liable, you know, and and so, um, but so you know, but Tim Scott is another one, and they're using these people. And you mentioned Nikki Haley. So what's she up? What's she gonna do? Is she trying to run for president? What is she gonna do? Yeah, yeah, she is. Oh God. So she would yeah, run against Trump she, in the primary? Yeah, after January 6th, she was outraged at Trump and for inciting violence and then realized that that was on the wrong side of the uh, presidential ambitions and totally walked it back. So uh, Tim Scott thinks he's running for president. Okay. So, so maybe he's running mate. So there, there's, there's a, you can, who knows what he truly believes, right? I, I don't believe that the vast majority of elected Republicans think that Donald Trump won the election. I refuse to believe that there is that collective idiocy in the party. They know. Donald Trump knows. He knows he didn't win. Yet they're all going along with this big lie that Trump actually won the election for some reason. And when you talked about Lynn Cheney, she's one of the few people. It's like uh, <laughs> her big sin 
in the Republican Party is that she has said repeatedly that Joe Biden won the election. Objectively true. Right. Everybody, uh, you, Barr, Attorney General Bob Barr couldn't come up with a single, the biggest toady, the biggest t Trump toady in the administration right. Right. couldn't come up with a single instance of voter fraud. Mm -hmm. The Supreme Court, right, all packed by 6-3, packed by Trump, didn't even pretend to look at any of the evidence because there was none. There was nothing to look at. So... All of these people, the price of admission now in the Republican Party is to pretend that Trump won when none of them believe it. It is a collective delusion. It is collective for people who claim to be Christian and also adherent to, to values and the Bible to so blatantly lie, knowingly lie about our core democracy just shows how morally bankrupt and corrupt they are as a party. And let's not pretend that there's any hint of ideology. Remember, Donald Trump didn't even bother having a party platform. The Republicans didn't even have a platform in the 2020 uh, Republican convention uh, because the Republican platform is whatever Donald Trump thinks at the moment. Right. And in a way that's actually helped us because um, it's made it harder for them to oppose the Biden agenda, right? You can't really go hard after infrastructure spending when Donald Trump himself had proposed the exact same kind of investment in fixing up our infrastructures. Now, Trump didn't care about it because he was too busy fighting his battles, right? So there's infrastructure week was always derailed by some manufacturer BS, but he proposed it. And Republicans didn't argue against it then. So now they look like big hypocrites arguing against it now. And so they can't muster that energy to oppose them. Number two is um, they are clearly so motivated right now by race that, again, they, they don't know how to, how to target Joe Biden. There was a poll, Mark. I don't know if you saw it. It was about a week ago. I was blown away. There's a poll that it was like 65% of Americans thought that Joe Biden was more moderate than Barack Obama. It was, a, it was a two to one. Joe Biden is more moderate than Barack Obama. By no objective measure was Obama more leftist <laughs> than Joe Biden. Joe Biden has run a genuinely progressive administration through and through. Hell, Joe Biden's almost more progressive than Barack Obama. I know I'm not supposed to say that. No, no. I mean, yeah, I mean, personally, but definitely how we, I mean, the way they've governed, not even close. Yeah, yeah. So what's yeah. the difference? What's the difference? Yeah. The difference is that Joe Biden is white, so he's immediately automatically assumed to be moderate. And so this lack of ideology, this lack of cohesiveness, conservative media is, is just following Trump's whatever is Trump's motivation. And, you know, if Trump wants to freak out about cancel culture, then... Conservative media is going to talk about Mr. Potato Head and Dr. Seuss. And I guess there was something about Snow White a couple of days ago that I, I couldn't even bring myself to click because it seems so freaking stupid. But good. Let them focus on that crap instead of focusing on opposing this legislation. And um, you have a situation which is kind of shocking given how aggressive the Biden administration has been that there's no organized opposition to him. Yeah. Remember, you know, with, with Obama, you had the Tea Party. 
with Trump, you had the resistance and the women's march and, and all these you know, the resistance groups. There's really nothing happening on the right right now. It's quiet. It's crickets over there. They don't have no, they don't have no plan, no agenda, no nothing. It's nothing. Nothing. It's absolutely nothing. Um, did you? Did I hear you say Tim Scott expects Nikki Haley to run? No, they both want to run. Oh, they, so so women. Tim wants to run for president too. Yeah, yeah. He's he's he thinks he's running. Okay. <laughs> well, you You're know, I hope another... yeah, he runs too. Yeah, come on. Yeah. And matter of fact, as matter of fact, it would be ideal. If Biden didn't run a second, because I think Kamala would have an easier time beating Tim Scott. Um, you know, black on black. It's like we had white on white. Yeah, there's no Biden. way Tim Scott ever gets through it. No, no person of color or woman ever gets through a Republican primary. Yeah, I don't even see Nikki Haley getting through that primary. How could she kidding do me? We we barely <laughs> Yeah. Um yeah, makes sense. Our white guy barely got, you know, barely got elected. And you think these Republicans are going to no, hell no. Mm, mm-hmm. Marcos, Melissa's Thursday Coast, Civics with a Q, The Brief, every week. Check it out. And as always, Marcos, we appreciate you, buddy. Thank you so much. Get vaccinated, please. I'm sure everybody <laughs> watching or listening to this has already been vaccinated. Um, but try to get people in your social circle to vaccinate. It's it's We need that herd immunity so we can all go back to normal uh, mark remember all those people that that before the vaccine said that we just needed to let the vex the disease run rampant so we would all have herd immunity yeah and now that we actually have a tool to get the herd immunity now they don't care about herd immunity anymore yeah freaking yeah. psychopaths yeah <coughs> excuse me jared kushner <coughs> i'm sorry uh <laughs> hit something in my throat i'm sorry uh <laughs> it, they liked herd immunity when it was killing people now that yeah. you can do it without killing people, suddenly they're less interested. Sick, sick. You're right. Yep. Get vaccinated, folks. Marcos Melitsis, Thursday Coast. Thank you, buddy. Thank you so much. Have a All great right. weekend. Talk to you next week. You too. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, and wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.